Yo, since you've been, quote unquote, in quarantine down there on Earth, pretty little planet, you've probably had a lot more time to think than you normally notice. And while thinking is generally a magical thing, a creative thing, a beautiful thing, the way that we've built this world up, it's kind of taken away from the beauty. We're distracted all the time. We want constant stimulation, but it's not necessarily stimulation of the greatest version of ourselves. And sometimes thinking too much opens the door for resistance gremlins to come party in your panties or your palace. Maybe you don't wear undies, so you have to, you know, you have to have a palace. So this time that you are wasting trying to justify your creations, the time that you are wasting allowing resistance to affect you is the time that you should be spending creating your creations. Let's shorten that up. Every time you hesitate, you're creating a block. You're creating space between you and your visions. The time that you waste trying to justify your creations is the time that you should be spending creating your creations. Do the motherfucking work. I'm cheering you on from up here in space. I'm Heath Armstrong, and this is Never Stop Peaking. It's depressing like a dimple on your butt. If you behave, you'll get a nickel you can spend on stuff. And in time, you'll get a dime if you impress your boss. So you can buy some more stuff just to numb your thoughts. You've been a space-driven higgity hunk of me since birth. Flying through the universe on a rock called Earth. Composed of stardust with an emotional gut. While you letting conformity slam you up the butt. You're not one fucks, two fucks, red fucks, blue fucks. You can play duck hunt and wait around for luck. Or you can rent a big truck and drive your vision. Build a palace to the moon your schmuck friends piss their pants Get up and dance, rocket ship that booty Take a chance for your freedom, miggity milk that booby Cause when the fear attacks, it tries to crack what you're thinking Fuck no, you'll never stop peeking Hi-ho! Ladies and gents, boys, girls and everything up and down and in between, all shapes, colors, sizes, and sexual preferences. You are very much welcome to the Never Stop Peaking Show. I'm Heath Armstrong, and I want to start by just kind of throwing a reminder out there about these strange times because it has been something that I haven't really released shows um, in the past couple weeks that were recorded during this pandemic, so... You have to trust in these times your intuition and your own sense of things. You have the magic inside of you, and it's doing motherfucking cartwheels inside of your gut, waiting on your permission to come out and play. And you have all these things floating around the world telling you what you should be doing, where you should be going, you should be hiding in your house, you should be staying away from people, you should be watching TV all day. But you have to trust your intuition on this, because that kind of stuff, that fake stuff, that unnatural stuff is going to make you feel inflamed. It's going to make you feel cabin fever. It's going to make you depressed. And ultimately, it's not good for you in any fucking way possible. So let go of any doubt that is attempting to sabotage you from taking actions. Ass, ass, actions. God. Let go of any doubt that is attempting to sabotage you from your creativity. 
there is opportunity for mass growth within the process of kicking those motherfucking resistance gremlins in their teeth. And most of your worries have never happened and will never happen. So even if you feel like you have no clue what to do next in your life, take some deep breaths and surrender and trust in the universe. Write one word. Draw one boob. Your intuition always knows how to take the next small step. And that one step is enough to help you navigate through anything that life sends your way. Even when the cookie monster steals your cookies. You know what I mean, yo? You know what I mean, man. Man. Ah, So, I am unbelievably kind of at all to talk about my guest today. Because we get to talk about miracles. And some of you might say that miracles aren't real. And it's all made up in someone's head, somebody else's head, not your head. Miracles aren't real. They're not real, blah, blah, blah. But there is nothing that anyone could ever do to convince me that. There is nothing anyone could ever do to convince me that miracles were not real. Because I believe that we're living miracles all the time. And the reason for that is... That once you experience divine intervention, your views of the world and your role in the world changes forever. You level up. You gain powers. You start understanding that this picture is much bigger than you as an individual, than us as a crew. We become one with our muse. And this type of thing happens on a minuscule scale. It's not like it doesn't have to be a gigantic bang all at once. It can literally just be a little bit of thought stripping into your head every once in a while. Like, maybe I should... Maybe I should start thinking about making a transition in my life. Maybe I I really should consider the fact that this relationship isn't working and maybe I should try to pull out of it and find something else that helps serve me better. Maybe I could write a little bit on a piece of paper that might just turn into something that I may just share with somebody else to help them smile more. It can happen in the little things. Jared Ungaza... If you go back to some of the earlier episodes, he experienced this in a much more impactful, crazy way. But for me, you know, I had some rock bottom moments, but it was little things stacking up over and over again, telling me, hey, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Don't do that anymore. Start exploring the unknown. Start looking for mystery. Start unfolding your wings. There's magic out here. I want to play with you. I want to play with you. That's how the universe talks to you if you listen. Now, Jared of course, was being imprisoned in Rwanda for fighting for gender equality. He found a piece of himself that he had been searching for forever in that process. He became one with his muse. Remember the episode I did with Jules Schroeder? She experienced this while breaking her neck in a wakeboarding accident and having these seven council shadow members come to her as entities Um, and ask her to come back to Earth to do some more work. And what she has done since she came back has been some of the most miraculous stuff I've ever seen. She was also a previous episode you can go listen to. These are giant examples, but they happen on tiny scales every day in every one of our lives. It's are we noticing that little message from the divine, that little message from planet Earth, the little message from your ancestors, your protectors, everything, all at once. They're coming at you. Are you receiving them or are you closed off in a box? If you start opening the doors that lead you into the uncomfortable direction that feels both scary and exciting, you open the door that leads you to your muse. 
you ascend into a higher vibration that will bring like-minded support in the form of friends and mentors into your life. This is the direction that you must march to become one with the hero inside of you. This is the direction that you were born to lead. So today, I have on Sarah Seidelman. And Sarah is, uh, I mean, she's kind of like, it, it freaks me out when I talk to her because I can see her head sort of working in the same manner as mine. It's all over the place because she's just filled with all these different projects and ideas that she wants to do. And her her vibrancy is just so beautiful. It's so like orange and pinkish and just off the fucking wazoo. And I, I, I generally... I get light. I, I get lights when I talk to specific people. Um, I get bright colors when I talk to specific people. And Sarah, I first heard on a podcast with Jared Angaza. He had interviewed her on his show a couple years ago, um, and it was such an amazing, 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 amazing show. And I, I, it stuck with me, and I kept seeing her like throughout the internet here and there, here and there. And then I noticed that she had all these books out and I started getting really intrigued with the way that it kind of was drawing to me. It was calling to me. And then at some point we started connecting and she was asking questions about the deck that we had made. And she was looking at making her own deck. And it was just kind of surreal to be able to talk to her. And I was always like, man, I got to get her on the show. So I'm, I'm really excited that she has now come on the show and it's at the perfect time. Uh, because no matter what type of fear or procrastination or resistance gremlins are going to enter your life now or in the future, there's always going to be one thing that you can control that will stop, dead stop their invasion. Sarah knows what this one thing is. It took me a long time to figure it out, but I know what this one thing is. And that one thing is energy. Will you allow negative forces to drain and taint your energy, or will you take control of your energy and use it to learn, to reflect, and to move closer to your visions? Over many years, I've intermittently struggled with allowing myself to feel my happiest because of some sort of external factor that was bothering me. You know, people go through shit. We all go through shit. We're all scared of things. All of these things try to suppress us and keep us in a box to keep us from becoming this creative, blossoming flower that we're supposed to be. And sometimes that feeling, it shows up in the form of depression or full body inflammation or lack of self-worth, and it often leads to a downward spiral. And because of the negative experiences, I was actually beginning in, in many times creating imaginary limitations for myself in an attempt to establish protection from more bad experiences moving forward. I was removing parts of my life that brought me happiness and love because I was scared that something might go wrong and make me unhappy and, to, and remove love from my life. Like You see how crazy that is? We all do that. It's madness. I was settling for a middle ground of simply existing rather than experiencing. Does that seem familiar to you? See, like, the security blanket is actually the problem in itself. We hold ourselves back from our dreams because we are afraid that we are going to fall on our face. Face down, pants down in the bushes, baby. In other words, we aren't allowing ourselves to reach our heightened states of mind or body or spirit. 
we aren't willing to let ourselves blossom into those flowers that we can be. We are sacrificing our lives to fear. But how good are you willing to let it get? What happens if you let love in? What happens if you say yes to everything that excites you? What happens if you trust in your intuition? What happens if you release your fears and your doubts and you sail to your treasures? How will things change if you surrender, if you let go, if you become one with your passions? Sarah spent two decades practicing medicine, specializing in surgical pathology, and raising her family, but something started shifting in her. Little downloads here and there, a little bit at a time. Sarah didn't have a near-death experience like Jules. She wasn't imprisoned in Rwanda like Jared for four months. She wasn't imprisoned in Rwanda for four months like Jared, I should say. (laughs) But she had these little things happening, drawing her into an exploration of deeper creativity, of nature, of intuition. She wanted to figure out what would make her feel good all of the time. And she wanted to know how she could apply her experiences in that journey to help others do the same. So she took a six-month sabbatical from her job and she started exploring. She simply stopped hesitating and she started taking action. It's so, so, so simple in the foundation of what it is. It's the mind that makes it seem so complex. When you follow your bliss, magical things start to happen. Sarah Sarah followed hers through shamanic journeying, animal totems, an interesting meetup with one of her spirit guides named Alice the Elephant, I think in one of her closets, which we get into in this episode. And to date, Sarah and Alice have co-authored multiple books, including the newest release, which is called How Good Are You Willing?, to let it get. It's daily feel-good inspiration for creatives, healers, and helpers. And I've got a little secret. She's got a card deck coming out soon. Oh my goodness! You know I love those decks. So I'm ecstatic to have Sarah on this episode of Never Stop Peeking. And we are going to explore universal synchronicity, spirit animal guides, the magic of nature, shamanic journeying, life transportation, life transformations, the creative process, and um, I think a whole lot more. Sarah's story for sure, how she met Alice, how she got into the animal world. And in the show notes at heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast, you can get all of the links to her books. Um, I posted them in there because she has so many amazing books. And I'm telling you guys, if you're into like animals, like spirit animal guides, I, she has a book (laughs) that is so on point. It's, it's eerie on point. And every time I see an animal that comes into my life, be a, maybe I see a postcard somewhere, or I see a legit animal in the world, or I see somebody's sticker on their car that has a picture of an alligator, like whatever it is, I go and I look up what that sign is, because these are the little things that I'm talking about. Are you paying attention to messages that are coming your way? or Are you just ignoring everything? Like it's the background numerology, core beasties, all of these things play into signs that the universe is trying to give to you to move in the direction. It's like a game. It's amazing when you start understanding this. Things change. 
The whole world opens up. It becomes a completely different place of so many more opportunities, so much more beauty. So I'm going to link to that book as well. Um, and yeah, you could also Google her. Uh, you could search her on Amazon. She's just got, she's got a whole bunch of good stuff out there. So I'm going to get right into this episode. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying positive and I hope that you are just absolutely crushing it in this time of solitude in Mount Crushmore, really climb that mother flipping Mount Crushmore. It's waiting for you to never stop peak. Ding. All right. Starting to mumble. So here we go. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stickity stinkity rickety dickity beat. Yeah. So I, I, when I was thinking about you coming on and I was getting so excited, the first thing, as I started to think about, well, what kind of topics can we cover? Because there's so many that fascinate me. And then out of nowhere, ostrich board pops up, right? Ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, you, I mean, did you, you post this picture of a board and it literally, like the first thing I see is this like ostrich face on it, like made out of the wood patterning. And it was just incredible to me and then you were like look they're everywhere right these beasties are everywhere was that a board that you found was it a picture that you found I'm just curious it was one I shared from Facebook it was like a friend shared another friend's photo you know because one of these kind of shares in fact I need and then I couldn't find the guy on Instagram to credit him so I was just like oh I'm just gonna but on Facebook <laughs> when I shared it I gave full credit to the guy but yeah, it was just something somebody was like you never know what you're gonna see or, you know and then yeah. I had a friend who was a carpenter who was like, you should see the things I see. And I'm like, oh man, we need to talk, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get so excited. And I, I had just gotten back when I saw that from a really magical adventure. Uh, and for anyone listening, Sarah has this incredible book, which I talked about in the pre-roll, uh, The Book of Beasties. It's just one among many things that she's created. But it's one of the most elaborate uh, animal wisdom guides I've seen. And it's a very playful animal wisdom guide. And it goes through, I mean, I, I can't even put into words how many different sections that, so like a bear is my core beastie, right, Sarah? The bear yeah, wow. is something I've had some incredible, it started with just like super deep, uh, shamanic, trancey experiences where I'm in, I spend a lot of time in the underworld. I spend a lot of time in the middle world. Um, and I always have this black fox and this bear. And I actually, working with healers in the past, I've been taught to actually, when you're going to the underworld, to actually become your spirit animal to protect yourself so that people mm -hmm. don't know that you're there. And yeah, that might sound crazy to some of you, but you know me. This is all real. This is all real. And 
I, so I became the bear. I started learning so much about the bear. Jared's very tied to the bears. Talking about Jared and Gaza for people listening, you're familiar with him as well, probably too. And then I was in Denali, like doing backpacking and like actually had one-on-one, like full frontal encounters with grizzly bears in the wild by myself with one other, uh, I had one other friend with me, but like, it doesn't matter. You could have 10 people and you still feel like you're by yourself in those instances. <laughs> right. A giant grizzly comes up. And I, I had done a lot of looking into the meaning of the bear and you know, all these different websites and guides, they all kind of said different things, but it wasn't until I actually got back from Africa and I got your book and I opened up to the bear. That was the first thing I did. When I started reading it, it was like tears coming out of my eyes because every single section was so accurate. And the brilliant thing is that you, you not only do this like amazing story, which is like first person perspective or first beastie perspective. Um, it's like a story from their eyes about the way that they live. And that, that always pumps me up. But then you actually have this kind of message about the bear, which is what generally along the lines of what you'll find if you're looking on the internet to see, okay, what does a bear mean? But yours is much more creative and it's playful and I love it. But then you also have aligning affirmations and you match it with like the chakra and you talk about like physical practices that you can do in, in wellness and creative uh, relatability and, and things like that. And I get so excited and I was just, I went through that and like every single section and especially when I read the creativity section of the bear, I was like, Oh yes. And it talks about introvertness and it talks about having to need a lot of self time and it was just blowing me open. Um, you posted this ostrich and, (laughs) (laughs) and like, since then, like I I'm starting to get it. Like I understand that we see, a lot of us think like the problem is we go into nature, we have to go to nature and we have to see an animal before it means something. But these things are everywhere. Like you see them in on a postcard, you might see an animal, you might see it on a TV ad, you might see it on a Facebook message. Like when you start noticing where these things are popping up, it's really fascinating. And then if you can go in and kind of see what kind of messages that they're offering you, it can really help you with the flow of your life. And you, you posted the ostrich on the, the board right? A piece of wood. Yes. <laughs> and it was just like, <laughs> as I had been thinking about all of that, it was, it was crazy. What I'd started to say there was I had, right before I saw your message, I was out in the woods. I went out, they've tried to close off all the parks, which is crazy. I get not allowing people to gather in this harsh time. Um, but I was just trying to go on a trail and I realized that they had blocked these trails off. So my dog and I actually went just into the woods without a trail. And I found when I was packing my bags before I went out there, I had this thought in my head, like I should get a mushroom foraging knife because my intention was I'm going to go look for some mushrooms so I can make some tinctures because I love making mushroom tinctures for my brain, for my body, for connectivity, everything. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed my pocket knife instead and was like, yeah, I'll probably get one of those soon. And then I go into the woods with her and I find this tree out in the middle of nowhere and it's got this peace sign carved on it. And it's so beautiful. And like, (laughs) I don't recommend carving into any live tree because it can be (laughs) harmful, but there was something beautiful about it. And I think the tree was making a sacrifice for that beauty. And I was like, wow, this feels like the right place. It feels really eerie and weird. And, And I kept going and I found this like giant tree that had flipped over and you know how when trees flip over, the roots are sticking up on the side and like you can yeah. see all the dirt. Well, that had happened, 
But what was even crazier about it was there were like five other giant trees growing out of that flipped over tree. So it was almost like it was still alive somehow because all these other trees were growing out of it. And I have a video of it I can share with you later if you want so you can see it. But on the back side of the root system, I was freaking out because my dog was like pulling me to it. And I was like, I don't really want to go over there, but I will. And I went over there and there was a little cubby on the back side of it. And inside the cubby was a mushroom foraging knife, a Swedish mushroom <laughs> foraging knife. And I just wow. like got super shock, you know, like goosebumps mm. playing with nature and just how playful nature, how, how, how playful she is in every single way. And so when I came back, and I saw your, your ostrich, I just like, man, all these things started like coming up for my life. And I, I couldn't be more thankful to talk to you right now. And I'm really excited because with all of this going on, I, I'm curious to hear like, what are your thoughts on what the sweet mother is trying to tell us in, in times where it does feel a little bit uncertain, but also in times when it feels very vibrant and beautiful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I was just thinking about the bear and in a way this feels like such a time when we're being called to kind of turn inward and go into that darkness or that cave, you know, like if our homes are in our apartments and our trailers or wherever we're sitting right now, like if we're all kind of getting restricted to that space to be with ourselves, um, you know, to be with our, to also maybe some of us forced into our relationships even more deeply because we have to see each other more often. I heard in China, there's like a record number of divorces happening, you know, <laughs> because people are getting clarity on the idea that, wow, we really aren't meant to be together maybe. Um, but I think it's just a, a time where we're being invited to, yeah, go inward and consider like, is this, you know, is this how we want to be living? And if not, are we, you know, what needs to go? What needs to be burned away? I think Phoenix is a really apt beastie mm. for right now. Um, and we could read a little, I could read some from the book there, but, you know, just allowing everything to burn away that is not serving us and stepping forward, taking that leap of faith into what, what we really want to become, like becoming more of who we are. Um, I think one of the most, one of the, most brilliant things that, you know, a lot of people are talking about, what does this all mean? And there was a Qigong master who said, you know, the invitation now is to be as much your frequency as you can possibly emit, you know? And I love that idea. Like, what if we could all just beam our light as, as brightly as we can right now? I think that's going to help ourselves, our families, everybody around us. And what, what does that look like for you? You know, for me, that's, having the guts to play my ukulele, even though I'm not professional, but to play a touching song, you know, just to share that or to have the courage to, we were just talking about, you know, self-publishing uh, books and decks of cards and things. And it's having the courage to order a bunch of decks, you know, like trusting that somehow that will be needed. That frequency that I've created will be needed. Um, so many things like that. So like, what does it look like to really be you and what do you need to let go of so you can absolutely uh, be free to be that? And speaking of freedom, I think a lot of us get into a rut where I think because we're so stimulated by all of the things that we're constantly doing in life, when life is quote unquote normal, when you're allowed to just go do whatever you can you can constantly be filling your brain up with anything to keep you from actually sitting internally with yourself. Um, yeah. 
we start to lose touch with who we truly are and who we came to this planet to be and our purpose and our passion. And before we know it, it can really slip. It can slip very, very deep inside of us. And there's always going to be this like, this little whisper, like, Hey, you, <laughs> you like, you want to go out there and do something fun? And you're like, Oh, I can't do fun things. You know, like I don't have right. time. I have to work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, in these times right now, in this kind of weird state of the world, which has a odd piece to it in the middle midst of all the chaos. Um, I think a lot of people are coming to the reality that maybe what they've always wanted to do isn't being done and they're having to sit with that and it's scary and it feels a lot like fear and stress and resistance but at the same time it's showing them and highlighting and you have this like beautiful heart and gut that are working in there together saying hey there's something more here there's something bigger here what 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 are you looking at like what can you actually go do now to to get in touch with your your higher self or your purpose you were a physician for most of your life doing miraculous work, right? Working with people, helping um, in every way that you could. And you had a big family, four, mm-hmm. four children. Is that right? Yep. Four yeah. kids. Four, four kids. And, and you got into this lifestyle where, of course, you were doing meaningful work. But from everything that I've seen from you speaking in, in your books and listening to you on podcasts and things like that, even in that lifestyle where people from the outside can look and say, that's very, that's a high level of success. That's something that you, you know, you've kind of reached the pillar. You can't really do anything else. Like this is as good as it's going to get internally. You were having conflicts. I would love for you to talk a little bit about how that came about and elaborate on what that transformation was like to who you are now and, and how different it feels from then to now. Yeah. So yeah, it kind of started, you know, for some people when they go through a big transformation, you know, it's like, you know, their house catches fire, something dramatic, you know, but for me, it was more like over time, slowly, slowly, I started feeling less engaged at work. And I, my job was as a pathologist, so I'm the doctor that sits at a microscope all day and talks to the oncologists and the radiation oncologists and the surgeons about what uh, you know a tumor is showing, what a bone marrow biopsy is showing, that kind of thing. And it was really fascinating work for so long, but over time I started feeling, um, it was basically I was a disease hunter, right? So I was trained to be yeah. an expert in finding disease. Look, 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 find, 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 identify, identify. And there just came this point where I started thinking, like, what makes people well? I mean, I just was like, started wondering about that. And then I was like, oh, this is a terrible thing to think about, Sarah. Like, you know, that's ridiculous. And why don't you just like, you know, keep doing your job, just put your nose to the grindstone and just keep going. Um, But over time, I began to be willing to be a little bit kinder to myself. And so I finally hired one of these things they call the life coach back in, you know, I think it was like uh, 2010, 2009, something like that. It was a newfangled concept, at least in Minnesota. Um, (laughs) And this person, this strange person who's so lovely, she said, you know, what I really want to encourage you to do is do things that feel good to you and kind of try to do less of things that don't feel good. And I was like, my God, this is like the most contrarian (laughs) advice I've ever heard. Like, who is this woman? You know, can she even be trusted? Like, but I was like, well, I'll try it, you know, because I, I have no better ideas. And I just started to, um, one of the things, she's like, what would feel good to you? And I go, well, there's this one 
there's this one thing I'd like to try, which is decoupage, you know, this old timey kind of gluing images onto things, you know, which I don't know why it just it was this weird thing. And I always tell people like, whatever weird thing is calling you that like, do it, even if it sounds strange. She's like, why don't you do that? So I started doing that in my basement. And the only thing he that I wanted to glue onto things were pictures of animals and like flowers and like undersea things. It was like, and I was so happy doing that. But then I got really frustrated because I was like, what am I supposed to do? Sell this stuff? Like, and I actually <laughs> literally went to Minneapolis to the back of my car filled with like a bunch of stuff I had created. That was a rough day. Let me tell you. I mean, I did sell a few things, <laughs> but I realized like, this isn't it, you know, yeah. the, the, the hero's journey, you're on the road of trials. You know, this is the part where it gets hard. Cause you're like, you're confused. Like, what am I doing? Um, but eventually I took a sabbatical and that's when I stumbled into this ancient idea that, that the animals that cross your path have messages for you that will help you in your life, which when I read that in this book, I thought that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Could that possibly be true? But again, I was so confused and befuddled. I was like, do we swear on this podcast? I don't even oh, know. Yeah. yeah, go for like, it. I was like, fuck <laughs> it. I guess I'm going to just give it a shot, you know, cause I don't know what to do. So I got, I started like just seeing, and one night I remember Pace, like I bought this book. It was Ted Andrews book, which is one of the kind of the quintessential uh, animal, you know, wisdom books out there. And I just posted on Facebook, Hey, if anybody's seen a, you know, a beastie lately and you want to know what the message is, just, you know, shoot me a comment and I'll, and I'll write what this person wrote about it. And I was really scared to do that. Cause I thought, I'm a doctor. Like people think I'm probably think I'm Looney Tunes. And the night I'll never forget, it was like 200 people. I mean, it was a massive number commented, like they were all curious. And what I learned that night is like, well, maybe I'm not the only one who's curious about, you know, this other part of life, which is not logical, which is not linear. And the more I started paying attention to the beasties and what you know, trying to figure out what their messages might be for me, the more I started realizing, wow, this is works. This isn't just even, this not only works, it's like strangely magical, like weird things would happen, like your, your mushroom knife being found in the middle of nowhere. It's like, wow, how did, how did they know I needed this? Um, you know, I'll give you just a really simple example. I was, I had, when I took a sabbatical for medicine, I had this idea of wanting to write a book I would always read books. I was a passionate reader, but I was like, I don't know how to write a book. And so I was like, what am I going to do? This is just really hard. And I have nowhere. I'm just confused. And so that day I just was like, okay, I wonder if the beasties could help. I went out on a little walk and you know, you're, you know, you're kind of hoping for like a hawk or a peregrine falcon to like, you know, drop a feather on you or, you know, something <laughs> absolutely astounding to happen. At least that's where my ego wanted to go. But the only thing I really noticed that day that stood out to me were these little ants that were on like the sidewalk. Actually, they weren't even out in the trail. They were just on the way to the trail. So I went home and I was like, okay, look at the ants. Could possibly try to tell me about writing a book. And then I suddenly it hit me like, well, ants build these massive castles, but they don't do it like overnight. They do it with like a posse of like, you know, a hundred other ants and they're, you know, just one tiny grain at a time, only what they can carry. And so I was like, okay, what would it look like? What is a grain of sand moving that across the sidewalk look for me today, you know, or look, what would that metaphorically look like? And so I was like, well, I opened a file and I was like, you know, wrote down this title of a book that had been coming to me. And then I just started writing a few ideas and then I just shut the file, you know, I closed it up. Yeah. And, um, 
I think that's just how we begin anything is it's just the tiniest step. We don't do these big things that we're dreaming of overnight, but we just begin and then we keep going somehow. And I think that's what the beasties really help. So over time I dove deeper and then I eventually went on a shamanic journey, which is where I met my mother bear. And I talk about that in my memoir, swimming with elephants, you know, this bear just like took me in and was like, so was so loving and and just said i was like i'm so confused like can you help me and she's like you know where you're going isn't that far sarah just enjoy the journey which sounds like a platitude but i just felt so relaxed and so loved and so cared for i realized like i didn't have to worry of course when i got back worry crept in again naturally but you know (laughs) temporarily yeah never it's always it's always there it's about breaking our habit of hesitating and allowing resistance to cripple us as opposed to yeah. surging through or being as opposed to letting it cripple you. I, um, I wanted to go back to the bear thing. So I've, I've heard your story about the taxidermy walrus, right? Because yes. it's in your book. And I don't know if that was before or after your shamanic journey with the bear. How did you, for, I have a couple questions with this one shamanic journeying something I love. And I feel if there's any type of energetic connection I have to the ancient world, whether it be through plant medicine or meditations or shamanic journeying, it's definitely the shamanic sense. And how did you get started with that? Was that part of your life coaching thing? Did you have any experiences when you were younger doing stuff like that? Or or can you talk about that a little bit and how it led you to the bear? Yeah. So well, as a kid, I spent a ton of time in nature by myself. I loved nature. I mean, I was just like, love to live. There was this little Creek a few blocks from our house and I just sat down there all the time, just like playing boxcar children, all kinds of games, uh, you know, that I would just yeah. make up with myself. And I always loved being outside. Um, but so I, Ted Andrews book led me to the idea of the beastie messages, which you know, as I was reading it, I was like, wow, wow, like one big aha after another. And then I learned that, of course, you would have, you could have a, everybody has a a power animal or what I like to call a core beastie. And I was like, okay, I've got to figure this out. Like I knew like that was what I needed to know next so I could proceed on my journey, you know? And I was really confused. I had this huge long list of like, well, maybe it's this. I had so many animals I liked and the list got so long because I was trying to do this from the mind, you know, which is not where this comes from. So I sought out a teacher. The person who I encountered was Sandra Angerman, who creates, uh, she's got some CDs and many, many books. She's a well-known shamanic teacher in North America. And um, I just listened to her one of her recordings. And for those of you who are listening, if you want to get a recording of a guided journey to help you discover your Corby, you can go to my website and, and find that um, there. That's you can get access. followyourfeelgood.com? That is. Yeah, I'll put that um, in the I, show notes. I listened to the recording and you know, she guides you on this shamanic journey to the lower world, the, the underworld, however you want to term it. And that's where I met my bear. And that was the first time I'd really encountered. I mean, I grew up in a religious household where we're supposed to go to church and I always just was very confused. I saw how people behaved in the church and I was like, well, whatever it is, we haven't figured, you know, we haven't figured it out because I'm pretty sure like Jesus wouldn't be that mean during, you know, the church <laughs> bizarre luncheon or whatever it was that I was helping out at, you know, 
But when I was with the bear, it was like this absolute unconditional love that I felt, you know, and just a lot of tears. And, and as I continued to return to the bear, I mean, I would often just cry and cry and cry. And a lot of people call this path the crying way because, you know, so many of us have been through so many traumas and had our hearts broken so much, but there's not a lot of space you know, as you were alluding to, many of us, very few of us take the time to sit with ourselves and think about or ask, you know, what's going on in there. And so uh, a lot of grief, I think, that I had to process from all my medical training and the things that I had been asked to do that didn't feel right to me and a lot of confusion. Um, so that was my initial thing. And then eventually, after journeying a lot on my own, I sought out, um, you know, human teachers that I could, because I had so many questions after a while. And a lot of fear came up, which is pretty common on this path that you have to face, you know, your fear of the dark and, you know, what is evil, what is good, all these questions, you know, I had a lot of that, those questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I get like, it, it just excites me so much. I mean, I understand it can sound to some people, if we were having this conversation on a park bench, we might be looked at like we're absolutely insane. Right? right. And I think in your transition, because of the type of uh, defined life that you were living before, whether or not you were exploding with creativity inside and it was just like tapping you ready to come out. I'm sure as you started making those transitions, you were probably getting looked at like you were going fucking Looney Tunes by people right. that were surrounding you, which is something that I've experienced myself. I mean, I, I remember when I started telling people like, I'm going to leave this construction concrete industry. Like, what do you mean? You're like, you have an incredible job. Like you have everything that you could possibly want. This is only going to get better. Right. You don't understand. I'm like, you guys don't understand. Like I can't stay, I can't yeah. do this. There's something much bigger, but yeah, it was like from all angles, even parents are like really close people in your yeah. life are like, this is not a good idea. You need to go back to what you were doing. This is crazy. This isn't going to work. And of course, I tried to start three different companies that all failed. I even was doing, like you talked about selling stuff out of the back of your car. I think at one point I was like doing artwork and like trying to sell it on eBay, sold like one for $3. And then somehow I like violated some copyright and got suspended. And then I was like, geez, but like you never know where these little things are going to lead you. Did you feel, yes. did you feel that like the elephant in the room and, and, to, you know, kind of match back with Alice, your elephant, yeah, did yeah. you feel odd? And then also how did you like have the strength to continue to follow your flame despite yeah. all that? For sure. There was a lot of pushback from family. I mean, when we change, it just triggers everybody that we love around us. Um, you know, at the time I had teenagers and little young kids, um, my teenagers were so upset because my husband and I decided to downsize so that I, you know, I could really take like much more time off and to be able to afford to do that. And of course that caused them to lose their lifestyle. You know, they had this huge 6,000 square foot house with like a pool table and all these accoutrements and suddenly like, you know, maybe they weren't going to be so cool or like maybe they were going to lose friends, you know, over this, we moved to another part of town. Um, you know, I remember my mother called and was like, you are maybe making a big mistake. You know, you should really think carefully about this. Life coaches don't make any money or what, you know, all, just all kinds of things. You know, they were all going through their own stuff. Um, and I think what really ultimately what kept giving me the courage was connecting with myself and with 
the stories of other brave people that had done things. In fact, I was just telling this story to a, to a client, you know, um, there was this guy, it was a video. I wish I remember who it was, but he was talking about how he always wanted to surf big waves, like 10 foot waves, you know, and he would talk with his buddies like, man, I can't wait. Like when the surf's up, we're going to go surfing. And he's like, but then, you know, when, when you hear on the radio that the 10 foot waves were breaking off the point, he'd start immediately like making a sandwich. It's <laughs> like, you know, because the idea of actually doing what he said he wanted to do was just so terrifying because he was going to have to face his fears. You know? And for me, yeah, that meant like, okay, you say you want to take people on a retreat to Hawaii to teach them how to surf and do shamanism, but who are you to do that? Like, that's crazy. And so I just, I listened to a lot of, um, I really connected with a lot of people that were doing things that were scary on a regular basis. So I kind of made them my like board of directors. Um, I listened to a lot of music. Like I remember listening to a lot of rap and a lot of music with a lot of like really deep, like chakra, like for bass chakra beats, like yeah. it had a strong beat. Like I was like, fuck, yes, I can do this. And I would be out in the woods and I would just be like, oh my God, here I am like 45 year old mother of a bunch of kids. But I'm just like, yeah, like I related to these like <laughs> South African, like, I mean, coming out of Soweto, um, you know, beat makers, because it was like, they were rising out of their fear. I was rising out of my fear. Um, and then connecting with my spirits on a regular basis, because I think you need that otherworldly assistance because man, there's so much there's so much here that's so yes discouraging or you know logic does not serve you have to be logical but we also have to keep one foot in that other world i think at all times the part of what you that the, tells us everything's everything impossible is possible it sure is <laughs> it is that's a lesson that i've learned in a very hard but miraculous way and i mean it's you know you have to you have to really go to the deepest pits to be able to rebound into the heavens. And like, it's, it's about learning to love your shadow and the things that feel impossible so that they can become possible. I was just yes. going to ask, what does the process look like when you connect with your guides? Is that within shamanic healing always, or are there different types of ceremonial things that you do? Um, yeah. Or- yeah. I will in general, like for my day, like for my daily practice, I meditate every day, just, just sitting in silence and stillness. Um, but I also, I used to journey almost every day, especially in those first, I'd say like seven or eight years. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't 365, but it was darn close, you know, and sometimes multiple times a day, just checking in, like when I would get confused, when I would get discouraged, I would always just go and say like, help me. Like, I am so lost right now. Like, what can I do? And sometimes, you know, they would just say, oh, go for a walk in the woods. Like, forget about it. Like, just don't think about this problem. The, the solution's coming. Or, you know, they just endlessly always helped me. It's almost um, like, like, do they always give you, it's for me, a lot of my guides, it's, it's a message of quit trying to force things, stop trying to figure things out, and more so just like trust and have faith and yes. allow. Yes. Allow. Which can be hard. (laughs) It can be. Yeah. Like living in the question. Um, Or they would do something like, I remember I was working on my memoir, Swimming with Elephants, and I had all these stories, but I didn't know how to weave it together. Like my brain works in this very expansive, very like if you're a Kundalini, if you're like a yoga person in a very Vata way, like very expansive. So it was very hard for me to put a structure to the book and the story. And I was just, oh my God, I was banging my head against the wall. So I went 
And my helping spirit who helps me with writing, who's a spider, she was like, the shape of this book is a circle. And I was like, okay. And I was just like, what does that mean? She's just like, and she just kind of kept repeating it and showing me like shapes of circles. So then I, later in the day, somehow, when I was doing things like I stumbled into a graphic of the hero's journey and I was like, and it was a circle. I was like, Oh, so I took a dive into studying like hero's journey and this circular mm. thing. And then finally I started to realize, okay, this story fits into this part of a hero's journey. And at the end we have to show this, but you know, and it really helped me. So, um, so that's what connecting for me. So yeah, listening to drumming, sometimes I drum for myself. Um, and I have worked a lot more late, like in the last seven or eight years, I stepped into, yeah, I've worked quite a bit with plant medicines and I have a lot of respect and um, I've received a lot of insights on my creativity that way. And just in my life in general, from those, those, you know, exquisite teachers, those like master teachers, (sighs) (laughs) but um, so all those things. Yeah. Like, and then just listening, like you were saying to that quiet voice, because it's all the time, always just there, like whispering, hey, call that person, check on that person. Hey, yeah, this is a good move. Do it. Do it. You know, like, and it's very subtle. And if you ignore, I've discovered when I ignore it, I am usually screwed, like in some way, especially if it was just those little whispers, you know, you look back in your life when you ignore it, like the, the, the debacle that usually begins to ensue, <laughs> you know, right. um, like that red flag was there, that weird knowing like this isn't going to go well, or don't hire that person or that's weird. No, that's a big no, but you said yes anyway, even though mm-hmm. some part of you was saying no, no, no. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I still, to this day, like I just got in a funk for even when I had gone through my career uh, shift and I sold everything that I had and I paid off all my debt and I retired my career and I moved across the country to pursue writing. And I had no idea exactly how to do it, but I knew I had made a side business that was bringing in just enough money for me to be able to survive so that I could try to figure out that first project. And every single day, it's a battle every single day. It's like when I wake up, if I can write for one hour, I'm already won the day. If you can put your shoes on and go to the gym, you've already won the day. Like if you can walk out your front door and get on your bicycle, just, it's not about riding 30 miles on the bike. It's about literally taking that first step out the door and unlocking your bike. Cause as soon as you do that, it's like a chain of chain reaction of events. And it all comes down to like this strength for me of being able to break my hesitation of like, I'm not going to make that sandwich, but I'm going to use that thought of wanting to make that sandwich as a sign that I need to get the hell out there and ride those waves, you know? Yes. The, uh, the hero's journey, obviously something that I am, uh, I get very deep in the rabbit hole on that. I was just going to mention, <laughs> if you haven't read it yet, I'm a big Stephen Pressfield fan. Yes. And have you read his newer book, The Artist's Journey? Yes. And I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's such so a good, good, like, it's such a, for people that, the hero's journey can be a, a huge concept and it can be a lot to, to swallow, but it is a very, a very strong core message. But Stephen did an incredible job of putting together like what you're supposed to do after you've kind of looped your hero's journey and how you can continue to move forward as an artist in your journey. And I highly recommend that book. And I got to meet him a couple months ago and cool. I was so, so excited. Yeah. 
in the Nashville. Wow. Yeah. I think that that hesitation is what is what I'm always like, that's what I work with most of my clients on. And it's like, wherever the hesitation comes from, it's like, currently I have this novel I was working on, you know, sent to my agent, the agent sent it to the child's agent, you know, they were, it's a young adult fiction and they were just like, nope, you know, this is just regurgitated nonsense. I don't, they didn't say that, but you know, they were just like, yeah, this is, (laughs) this is just terrible. We we wouldn't want to rep it. So you couldn't pay us to rep this. And then it's just like, you kind of just kind of go to go, wow, that's like, I've been working on that for three years. It feels so soulful. It's like, and I, at first I just intellectualized it. And then I was in Peru last summer and uh, in a medicine ceremony. And I just got down, I mean, I like, it's just sobbing like on this mountain because how much it hurts to have our things rejected. That means something so much, you know? And and yet, and so I know I need to go back to it, but I'm not quite ready. But what's so funny is the signs keep coming. Like, for example, uh, this person I was just went to Thailand with her. She tells me on the last day we're leaving Thailand, we had led this retreat there, that her sister has this particular visual disorder, which is the exact, precise, extremely rare visual disorder that is part of the book you know, or something else. And I just know the spirits are like, come on, are you going to go back to that or not? You know, you're going to have the courage to sit with it, how hard it's going to be. Are you going to sit with this and breathe and trust that you can bring this story out because it's a beautiful story and it's, it wants to be known. It's like this creation wants to be birthed. And will you have the patience to like, to sit with it and trust us, you know, and that's, that's, what's hard. I think that's the hard part where you, the hesitation is so like, Oh, you know, it's not going to be easy. It's just so easy to hesitate and stay in your comfort zone, but everything that we dream of is laying on the other side of it. And it's, it's something that we constantly battle, but the more you do it, I think that muscle does develop and you can get to a point where if you see highly, highly effective people, highly creative, just beasts. I mean, I would say like looking at what you've done is remarkable. Right. And then even some people come to me and they're like, wow, like you've made a couple journals, this deck, like that's remarkable. And even in my sense, I can look back a couple years and be like, yeah, that's pretty cool. But like, I still feel like I haven't accomplished that much. I still mm-hmm. feel like I need to keep moving forward and creating. And it always comes down to like just waking up and, and moving into it. And it's such a good point. Uh, would you, first, I don't think, I don't know if we ever got to your first shamanic journey, which I had asked about earlier. We might've touched on it a little bit. I think I changed the subject on you. I would love to hear about like your experience with that, but then also if you had any powerful stories from your travels of interesting universal synchronicity, things that have happened that have impacted your journey or people that you've met, I think that would be cool to navigate as well. Yeah. Let's see. So the, yeah, the first, so the first journey I went on and I just, you know, I went to the lower world again, using a guided journey, which if you're looking for one, you can find one on my website. If you subscribe, follow your feel good. And can we make it clear to anyone listening who hasn't done a shamanic journey? It doesn't mean that you have to be out in the Amazon rainforest with shaman. Like this is something that you can do in your house. And I'm sure that if you're finding some weird place in your house to do it because you're trying to get away from your family, that's what has to be done. Um, <laughs> I recommend and- a closet. It works like a dark little closet. That's a perfect place. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and we, didn't have, we didn't even touch into, and I think it's important to, to, to note it that 
you know, there were, I had a lot of resistance to even being on this, stepping into the shamanic path because I thought it didn't belong to me that because I wasn't born in the Amazon or born to a native person or anything like that, that maybe this wasn't okay for me to explore. And so we could talk for hours on that topic and cultural appropriation. Oh, you know yeah. what that reminds me of? Mm -hmm. Jared always says something about native blood that like blows my mind. Yeah, like um, we're all related. We're all indigenous on some level, you know. That's where does he have that? Way too, I know. He's got it somewhere. I think it's on one of his websites. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, yeah. Well, anyway. if we fight it, let's. We can read. Yeah. So yeah, I just want to say, just for those who are listening who may be having some reactions, like, yeah. Um, let's see. So that first shamanic journey was, yeah, just seeking out a core beastie, and this bear came and. Again, she was just very loving. She took me onto the top of this mountain, kind of, and we sat, and she just showed me, like, the world below, which was this, it looked like the ocean, or maybe it was Lake Superior, I wasn't sure, and she said, basically, that's, you know, she was pointing downward. She said, that's, you know, where you're going isn't that far, and, uh, you know, just enjoy the journey, and what it was nice, it was like, wow, it looks like a downhill journey. I'm all about that. Um, <laughs> it was really awesome. Um, she really taught me that you know bears aren't super sociable like yeah they have their when they have their cubs and they're raising babies yeah but otherwise they're pretty solitary and she taught me a lot about what kind of parent I was and not to compare my type of parenting to others like lions are you know lions parent their cubs differently than bears do um mm -hmm. and metaphorically that was really deep for me and then as as I progressed through that like as the months wore on and then I decided not to go back to my job to kind of go back maybe like I'd get called into work to work at the hospital like once a month let's just say um I kept exploring and that's when this elephant Alice appeared on the scene in my shamanic journeys and she was basically there to say it's time to really be yourself she took all my medical diplomas and chucked them in the river and was like, where you're going, you don't need any of this. You know, just let it go. And you can imagine, like, mm. I was just like, really? Can you try? You know, meanwhile, people were saying to me, you'd be crazy to let go of your disability insurance. Like, what if your husband dies? You know, and all these things. And just interesting. Um, so Alice came along and she really taught me about uh, she took, I'll just share one brief journey. You know, I was working on a book much like you might, one of my first books. And, and this one, I was really starting to be myself and tell some personal stories and swearing a lot, which I had a lot of concern that maybe people were going to be upset about that, or maybe it was wrong to swear. I mean, I was just really confused about a lot of things. And I went to her, I was like, Alice, you know, like, is this book okay? Like, what if I publish it? Will it hurt people? Will people not like me? All these fears about being rejected. And she just grabbed my hand and suddenly we were free falling into the abyss. And she, then she let go of my hand. And so I was like, Oh my God, like we're falling, you know, like a dream where you're falling in an elevator yeah. and from the sky, but we just kept falling. And I was Fuck! like, I was terrified. And I looked over to her cause I was like, what are we supposed to do? And she was like doing like flips and like enjoying herself. And she was like twirling in the air. She was falling at like a thousand, you know, a thousand feet a minute. And I was just like, oh, like we enjoy the fall, the free fall, the not knowing. The idea is to dance in that, like just to enjoy it, express yourself. Like just like that's what it's about.
Cause there's no way we can know how it's all going to work out. Nobody might like the book, you know? But yeah. This is the way. <laughs> and then. And, fast- and yeah. Generally just the magic is it, it's usually the opposite. Like when we do make something it's, it just, it, it changes everything in, in a good way. Um, yes. Even it's very rare that you're going to create something where everyone's just, if you're not hearing anything back, it's not necessarily that it hasn't affected anyone. It's just, that's right. You got to keep going. Yeah, so important. And then fast forward a few years from then, I like, you know, really started falling in love with elephants, learning more about them. And I saw this video of like this place called Elephant Nature Park in Thailand, where they were scrubbing an elephant in the river and like giving him a bath. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, like how cool would that be? So I kind of put it on my like vision board of like, yeah, maybe for my 50th birthday. But then one day when I was 45, I watched this video another video and I just like broke down weeping. It was like this of this, this place called the Chai Lai Orchid, which is in Northern Thailand where they have elephants living right there. And I thought, what, what was that? Like, that was so beautiful. And so like a week later, I played the video again, bawled my eyes out again. I was like, okay, we got to go there. So I just started putting together this trip, which I called the Pachydermal Pilgrimage and inviting other people to go. Mm. And, um, I put it out there and then pretty soon a couple people who I really respected and liked um, were like, what the hell are you doing, Sarah? We thought you liked elephants and you're going to this place where purportedly they ride on elephants and it's terrible. Like nobody should ride, you know, and they were just so upset. And I was like, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, so then I went on a journey and I was like, I like, I, I said, Alice, can we go visit these elephants in Thailand and ask them, you know, what to do or what is this? And so we went on this journey to visit the elephants over in Thailand and they were like, all these elephants came forward in this spiritual realm, you know, and they were like, we are like ambassadors of the elephant world. And we want, you know, we want you to come visit. And I was just like, and is it okay to ride on you? And they're like, absolutely. You know, and I was just like, okay, but this doesn't really jive with what the real world, you know, the middle world people are telling me. But I was like, well, I don't know. So anyway, we went on the trip. A bunch of people signed up and we got there and I just said, well, hey, if you if you want to ride on these elephants or you don't, you know, it's totally up to you. Well, when I decided to ride on this, it was bareback riding these elephants. Um, yeah. uh, I got in the elephant and all I can say is just like this. And the, the elephant that was chosen for me had all these chains around her neck. And I was telling you, like, there were all these other elephants without any chains. And I was like, that's the one I want. Not the one, you know, not the one with the chains. Oh, yep, it's the one with the chains. And so (laughs) get on this elephant, which is just like, elephants are giant. It's hard to even, I've been riding on elephants in my dreams for years by now. But like to actually be on one in this reality, I just started to shake. And like the elephant, it was like this immediate connection. Like I could, all these, like all my spirits came around and the elephant began to tell me like that we're all on this earth. I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to, I'm going to cry, but that we're all on this earth, like encumbered by these chains, you know, but we're all little by little with each other's help walking towards freedom and loosening ourselves of these chains. And it was just, it was just so moving. And everybody that day, wherever, however they chose to interact with the elephants, you know, had these profound, deep messages, which were all completely unique and how they needed to move on their path. And, uh, so I guess what I want to say from that is like, you know, sometimes you will encounter naysayers and that's just normal and natural, but you have to follow that inner guidance, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it seems strange, 
And beautifully, I got to go to Thailand again to the same place five years later. And the woman who owns this place, her dream was to stop the elephant riding, to be able to create a place where that the elephants could be, um, begin to live a more elevated life. And it's so complex. But so now five years later, this place has become a place where nobody is riding on the elephants. And all the elephants are doing is like getting scrubbed and going on long walks in the forest. And we got to go on lots of long walks with them. And it was so delightful because their freedom, you know, they have more freedom now. And um, so beautiful. Yeah. So, so profound. Can I tell you a little story about that? Very relatable. I, uh, so before I left my job and made my mass transformation, I started getting visions of Thailand as well in elephants. And I also went through the same thing of like research and people being like, don't go here, don't do this, go to this place because they treat the elephants better. And like, I respected that. And I tried my best to listen and, and tr- see where, what felt right for me, obviously. And I ended up in Northern Thailand, uh, a couple hours outside Chiang Mai somewhere. And it was the same, <laughs> it's the same story. Like, all these elephants, they like kind of, you're learning commands with them and like how to like interact with them. And like the spirit and the intelligence of those animals is mind blowing. And it was the first time I had ever left the country too. So like to go, I hadn't even been to Canada or Mexico at that time in my life. I went all the way across to Thailand and Cambodia <laughs> on my first trip. Wow. And not only that, it was this experience with elephants, but also another four or five days spending at Angkor Wat, which was one of the most dramatical spiritual experiences of my life. Um, huge, huge catalyst for everything that I've done. But they started, I was like, yeah, I want you know that elephant, that elephant. And they started, and then they gave all the elephants away and it was just me left and with my girlfriend at the time. And they're like, and you guys get Dumbo and Dumbo's down like, you know, 400 feet away chained up to a building going like like jumping around going crazy all the other ones are like free and this it wasn't a big elephant it was a smaller elephant but they were like yeah it's we think you might be able to handle the crazy one a little bit better than most other people i was just like okay like we got dumbo (laughs) and dumbo was absolutely incredible she was so, had such a big personality while all of the other elephants were doing what they were told or like, you know, trained to do like us humans like to bring into the world. We kind of train each other um, Mm -hmm. with our domestication of animals. We train, like we, we have these rules that we all want to follow in life. And like, it's really more about not just breaking the rules, but also breaking the rulers and Dumbo so it's bareback, right? Because that's the least harmful way to ride an elephant. And I, they put my girlfriend on the front where the neck is, which elephant hair is super coarse. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like wire mesh almost. And they gave you pants to wear. But the problem was I'm so tall that the pants they gave me in Thailand were like shorts to me. <laughs> so, and they put me on the back of the elephant where the hump was. So I had this hump moving back and forth which was extremely uncomfortable to me anyways. And then my legs are bare bones on this elephant. And she is also wild where she's just like jumping, like kind of moving around. She kept trying to throw us off. And we had to go down this big cliff, like straight down. It was pretty steep. And when you're on an elephant, you feel even higher up and you're like, oh, 
And I can see like, of course, Lindsay was up there on the neck, like, Oh, you know, everything's fine up here. And I'm just saying grotesque <laughs> pain The the hair of the elephant had cut my legs open where I was bleeding. So then I'm like worrying worst case scenario about infection and all this stuff. And this elephant is just like, she, she kept pushing her front legs down, like dropping, like buckling her legs. It almost seemed like she was doing it on purpose, trying to throw us off. Mm-hmm. And I started worrying quite a bit. And um, by the time we got down to the river, which is where you, you get off and you kind of, you have a bath, right? And they're in this river and you're washing them. They start acting like the happiest, most spiritual beings. And Dumbo just turned into this complete, <laughs> it was like this complete switch of personality to where she was like, okay, you've passed the test. Now let's play. And she was Aww. just grabbing water and throwing it at us. <laughs> and when all the other elephants didn't seem like they were doing much, she was on her back rolling around like a, like a dog in the river mm. with her legs up in the air throwing water at us. And of course, one of the kids that worked at the place kept throwing, as soon as the elephants get in the water, they just start taking massive dumps for some reason. And the dumps just like, they're huge. And these kids are like picking the dumps up and throwing them at us. And I was like, oh, you know, but the experience just drastically changed from this, oh, I feel like an imposter. This poor elephant was chained up to like actually seeing the energy and the bond come through. And the joy. I, When you were telling that story, I was just like, wow, that's so crazy to have something so similar happen where you got the one with the chains and, and you have that relationship and all of that. And it it is crazy, but it's really not right. We're all connected. And I think there's a lot of pipelines happening here. Yeah. And I think having that, that relationship with that, your higher self, God, higher power, whatever you want to call it, like I just heard something like, what if you made that your number one priority? I think that would be so, I mean, I try to make that my number one priority and I, I slip even though this is my work all day, but you know, that's to me like the key to be able to keep, yeah, to, to, to cut down on that hesitation and resistance, <laughs> which can right. hold us back. As we've been con- in this pandemic, um, as everybody's been sort of having to come face forward with their fears, I've been doing a lot of work into the subject of contemplating death and I'm doing a video on it and a big post, but ultimately like the, all of this fear is stemming from this idea that we're also afraid to die. But mm-hmm. if we were really living with our core, like if we were really living true to nature and our purpose of being here, we would know that death is actually the most beautiful thing that we have because it's the only thing that reminds us of how sacred each moment is. And it's the only thing that gives us purpose to life in general. And it showers us with gifts constantly as opposed to coming to take everything away from us like most of us think. And um, yeah, it's that reminder of like, (laughs) we don't have to be scared of this. And if we listen to flow and we listen to nature and we pay attention to our beasties and things like that, it's, it's really a remarkable journey. And I love what you're doing. And one of the, the last thing I want to transition to before we, you know, take a, brief hiatus, because I'm sure I'm going to be talking to you a lot, um, is this powerful question that came from you. And I've shared it at at medicine ceremonies. And I had a really remarkable guided psilocybin journey uh, about a month ago, where it was just beautiful. And I was trying to kind of navigate a lot of of different things that I've been working on internally, 
lot with like releasing criticisms and judgments and just understanding that I can surrender and stop trying to figure things out. And in a situation where we're having this pandemic and both my businesses are down and having to lay off employees and things, it's been very important for me to find peace in just the moment. And I cannot find anything as powerful as this question, which you have created some, some things that are coming out soon with it, but how good are you willing to let it get? And I shared this question at the journey with a group of, you know, 12, 13 people. We'll say 13 for witchy purposes. Um, <laughs> and it doesn't even matter what the context, context is of what you're talking about. Like if you say this, how good are you willing to let it get? How good am I willing to let this get? It's so powerful. And I, I just want to like ask you where that came from, how, how much that means to you and what it is that you're creating with this idea that's about to blast into the world and change lots of lives, I'm sure. Yeah, it, well, it originated from this story in my life. So when I was on my sabbatical from medicine, I realized that summer, like, oh my gosh, this is all I want to do is follow this thread into the wilderness, into these animals. What is it? I don't know what it is, you know, but I really want to do this. And, and God, universe, if you're out there and you care, like, show me how I can do that. Like, I just kind of made a prayer. And two weeks later, my husband got a raise due to some productivity thing or some weird random, you know, just out of the blue that was nearly like within a dime of the exact amount of money that I had been collecting for my paycheck. You know, I had whittled myself into part-time, but was still, you know, making money. And in that moment I knew, oh my gosh, there it is. Like, here's the prayer answered, right? Mm -hmm. But within two weeks I was like, yeah, I don't know if that's the sign that I'm not supposed that I'm not supposed to go back to work. That's when I realized there was like this mental construct, you know, some people call it like that superimposed glass ceiling that you put on yourself or Gay Hendricks beautiful book talks about an upper limit factor. So that's when I started asking myself, how good will you know, would you be willing to let it get? Like how much love could you let in? How much trust? How much you know, I mean, I think about it now, it's just like how much love could you allow to flow in your life to receive and let it go and just keep receiving and let it go? And, and it's so great. Cause I love the question now cause I'll forget about the question and then I'll be really struggling mentally with something. And then somebody will comment on my page or a friend will say, well, how good are you willing to let it get? You know? And I'll be like, <laughs> Oh, that's right. Thank God. You know, these people are reminding me of this question cause we can all get stuck. Um, so yeah. And I think that's it. Like we're our own, we're the ones with the stoppers, you know, we can pull, like we can float or we can sink. And it's just a it's sort of a matter of doing the work to allow ourselves to be buoyant, which the work is just allowing it in, you know, somehow and doing the personal work, whether it's, you know, through ceremony or whether it's through yoga, whatever your chosen spiritual path is, um, to clear the way which is a never ending process, of course. <laughs> it's, it's like we have a cork and it's floating in so many of us are primed and we're kind of taught to do this throughout our life, pull the cork under, like pull the yes. cork, force it, like pull that cork. But mm -hmm. the beauty and the magic lies in watching it float mm -hmm. and not necessarily feeling like you have to do anything to change it, but just witnessing it and watching it and floating along with it. 
And I have been in some pretty dark situations with all these things happening. But every time I look at that, I've got it written everywhere. Like, how good are you willing to let it get? I just smile. Just like, you're right. Like there's, what am I limiting? You know, what am yeah. I causing and limitation myself with, by trying to force everything and not just allowing it to flow in and out and respecting and loving and trusting what, it, what is, what is this? Like, and it kind of opens up a whole nother avenue, like a whole nother game. And it's, you know, it is, it is a game. It's fun. Mm. It's a fun game. Mm-hmm. It can be a very enjoyable game. And if you're living a life where you may feel like your situation's different, I urge you to dive deeper and to feel out that, that child inside of you and go back to the things that used to light you up as a child or everyone has experiences in their life where they get excited. What are those things and how can you bring that into your life more and more? Because as we create these experiences, we unblock things, energy flows, and it's kind of remarkable what it can lead to. Amen. Yeah, for sure. I was just thinking of this just with this medicine woman about a year ago in Peru, and she was just so amazing. She gave us all these flower baths. You know, you get naked and they put you in this giant vat of hot water, which is stuffed with herbs and rose petals, and she sings and prays over uh-huh. you. And it's just amazing. But anyway, as we were getting ready to leave, you know, we were going back to the airport in a couple of days. She said, Well, you know, when you get to the airport, here's what I want you to do. And we're all leaning forward like, oh my gosh, we've got our sacred, you know, instructions. She goes, <laughs> it is a mess out there. This was a year ago. You know, it's a mess out there. She said, but sit up tall, smile and laugh. You know, like that's your work. You know, she didn't tell us like, go home and clean up Pachamama or, you know, she was just basically like, <laughs> you know, she wasn't like save the world. It was just smile and laugh. Like, do your best to enjoy and sit up with this experience we're having here we call life, you know? And I, I yeah. thought that was just really profound. Yeah, my, it really is, it's really, really important. And I've been working with a healer who's also my acupuncturist and she's amazing. And she always says, do you have both eyes open? Mm. And ever since I've been like practicing, like, okay, what am I not seeing? Like, I, can I just allow myself to see more? A lot of really strange things have been happening, including the, the mushroom foraging knife. knife. But that's not <laughs> the first time that I've mentally thought of something and had it physically appear just moments later. Um, and that's something that I would have never even, I would have just, I remember at a time in my life when I saw somebody meditating and I laughed, I laughed at them. I laughed at this person <laughs> meditating And now I'm like, it's just, you never know how Mm -hmm. far your journey is going to take you if you're willing. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the most important things on the planet, obviously for me and everyone else. But so you have a book coming out in collaboration with a deck. Is that correct? For how good are you willing to get? Exactly. So there's a, a book, which is sort of a series of daily, like there's a, there's a message from my spirit animal, Alice for every day. And then I kind of reflect on it with a little story. And then there's a prayer. Yeah. And it's for artists, creatives, helpers, healers, people who want to make a difference. Um, and it, you know, speaks to, there's themes of addiction, recovery, shamanism, you know, creativity and how to get through like all some of the things we've been talking about, you know? Um, so it's sort of, 
uh, you know, a pretty unique book, but I think it's, uh, and then the deck that's going to go with that and coordinate with that. <laughs> unique is an understatement with you. I <laughs> really, is. you know, I, I'm a big, cri- like, I'm, I don't like to be critical, but I know what gets my attention and I like to really explore those areas more. And I try to be in my creative pursuits that way. Um, to help other people and not just kind of like create something that feels just mundane, like everything else. You are one of these people that as soon as I started reading your work, I'm like, I can learn so much from this. And Mm. you just don't, you're not cutting any corners. And it is so beautiful the way that you present everything. And I love the way, I mean, even your Born to Freak book, which I don't even think we really talked about, but You've got like a letter for every bit of the alphabet. It's just a fun way. You're not just thinking outside of the box. You're destroying the box entirely. Uh, You're not reading between the lines. It's like you've just removed the lines altogether. And if everyone can start to do that, just imagine how the energy in the world can shift. If we stop operating under all of these types of guidelines that have been given to us and start actually connecting to our channels and letting it flow out in our own unique creative ways, I just, I dream of a world and we are dreaming our own reality here, but I I dream of a world where everybody's able to do that, you know, and it's really important. And I'm really grateful that you're doing it the way that you are because your energy is infectious and it's helping so many people, whether you know it or not. Um, And every one of those people, if they go out and create something, they're helping more people. And it's just this endless web of, of magic and, collective uprising. So I really appreciate mm. what you're doing. And I'm, and I'm happy that we finally got to have a really good conversation about it. And the first of many, I hope. I hope so too. And I feel the same way about you and your deck, which is so amazing. And all my people that I ever share it with in retreats, just love it. And it's just so much truth and playfulness packed into it. And saltiness, which I think we need, like that salt of the earth, that salt like of the tears, the salt of the the humor and the, yeah, the kind of the absurdity is where it's at, really, I think. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what you've, you're going to continue to create. And uh, when do you, your, your book and your deck, when are those coming out? The book is going to be June 1st and the deck, well, it's being made up in China. So I'm thinking September 1, but who knows with all these ships and closed ports, we'll see, we'll see. But the aim is September 1st for the deck. June is my birthday. Ah, mine too. So I'm June 1st. Is it? So that's of the day. Yep. <laughs> We're close. I'm June 5th. Okay. Yeah. Gemini, I get it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. ADHD Gemini's I cool well I I just is there anywhere that you prefer people get in connection with you I'm going to link your website yeah Um, I think you're on Instagram as well which I can link yep but the Facebook um yeah and if you're curious about your core BC wow in this pandemic I can't think of a better time than to connect with your spirit helpers to ask, you know, why is this happening? How can I, what do I need to do in this time? What's most important, you know, to get some guidance because there's a lot of things to be done or maybe to not do. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But to not try to figure out. Yeah. I laughed. I had a good laugh when I was reviewing my bear core beastie again yesterday, because I have a card in the deck that mentions Barry White. And I got to the love section of the bear, which is my core beastie. And, you know, you could have put this into any of these animals 
but you channeled it to the bear and yep. the love part of it says play some Barry White and snuggle a loved one under some cozy covers in your own bear cave to improve to improve your love quotient if you are seeking love do the same but embrace a pillow and imagine your perfect snuggle partner ask bear to help deliver them to you at the perfect time which is very much something that I'm doing myself so it's like love love seeking, like the message just hits me so well and yeah I, yeah. the very white thing, the similarities, and then how we got connected <laughs> originally <laughs> and knowing Jared and like all that. I don't, it's just kind of crazy. So I have no doubt that we're meant to be in each other's lives. And I, I appreciate you sharing this time with me and I can't wait to share it with everybody else too. Thank you so much, Heath. It's just been a pleasure. And you do, and just one last thing, you you work with people with shamanic healing, right? Yes, I do kind of shamanic healing and I also do sort of shamanic mentoring and mm. life coaching. So there's lots of different ways to work with me. But yeah, the shamanic healing process, I love. I adore working with people and I do that virtually and in person, of course. Um, yeah. So if there's I will put all that. I think that's mm -hmm. connected through your website as well, too. Yeah. Follow your feel good.com. Brilliant name. Thank you. Oh, I'm so pumped to see your cards in your new book. And I actually haven't even gotten to read Born to Freak yet. So I'm excited about that as well. I have been religiously pounding the uh, Beasties book, though. <laughs> I'm it's been, so glad. It's addicting, right? Because every <laughs> time I see something, and even uh, two nights ago, I had this weird dream where I was like at some house with my friend Olivia and like, her dad had a tub of bluegill fish, but he was going to put them in his saltwater fish tanks. And I was trying to explain that you can't do that. It'll die. So we were going to free them into the lake, but I came out of it and was like, okay, bluegill. And I didn't look online to find out what that bluegill meant essentially, but because your beasties are mostly, uh, I mean, it's not just mammals, but you have, you have some other yeah. types of natural living creatures in here as well. You did have, so I went to go see fish and it said see salmon. So then I went and read the salmon and there were all these messages that were just so perfect for me. And I was like, that was what was supposed to happen. Mm, so awesome. It's just, yeah, it's cool. So the raven is my other core beastie. And I've spent a lot of time with ravens on the top of mountains because I like to climb mountains. And <sighs> it's just been remarkable. Every time I get like up to summits, there's just no life anywhere, but always these ravens show up. And they hang out and I'm like, wow, what are you doing all the way up here? Even at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Think about that. 19,000 feet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. They're pretty magical. Can I ask you what your core beastie is? So I have a couple. And so I have a couple, if you do shamanic healing, you tend to get a pretty big posse over time of many, <laughs> many beasties, you know? So yeah. I have a lot, but, um, my main, my main squeeze who I do a lot of my daily work with, with people. I mean, I call all my spirits when I work, but Alice, the elephant is probably my, um, the one, yeah, between her and my mother bear, those are my closest allies, I would say. And, um, yeah, they just mean a lot to me. And it's just what's the, you know, as if there's an animal that you know, and really admire, even if you don't want to go on a shamanic journey, just like maybe you admire dolphins, or maybe you admire, um, you know, mountain goats, just learn more about them, get curious, like, how do they thrive? How do they, how do they, you know, do, what, what kind of places do they live? And like, metaphorically, like, how could you apply that to your life? How could you be more like that? 
And I think elephants, you know, they just have that sensitivity, that compassion, that social connectivity. They're all very caring for each other. And oh my gosh, when we were in Thailand, they had, there was a baby elephant and they decided that usually it was sort of connected by this long rope to its mother. Yeah, to the so mother, that, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise what happens is the baby starts running off and then all the aunties and the grandmas and the sisters get very upset and chase after it so pretty much the baby causes like a stampede well they decided one day to like let her off and let her wander oh my lord i mean there were we were all just like get that out of their way because they just went crazy but you can feel the energy like they're paying so much attention to each other so they're just very loving anyway yeah just so they are collectively it's ins- it's amazing. Every time I watch yeah. anything about elephants, I'm like, what? And whale. I mean, just every yeah, every single whale. living creature. Oh, yeah. So the Book of Beasties, your A to Z guide to illuminating wisdom of spirit animals and how good are you willing to let it get coming soon? You can get the Beasties book right now. I know it's available on Amazon because I've gotten it through that platform before. Yes, sir. And Sarah's website will be linked. So much love. And I'm, yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. There's a place called space and it's got the magic. There's a place called space and it's got the balls. There's a place called space and it's got the passion. There's a place called space where we can smash the walls. There's a place called space where we'll face fuck conformity and the chatter of incompetence is slaughtered at birth. In this place called space, we'll build a factory of smells that will assemble with our minds and sell to earth. Show. Todd's out today, but HeathArmstrong.com forward slash podcast for the links. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. It helps so much. I know it seems so complicated to do, but it's amazing how much it helps us establish new audiences. Um, and yeah, every review we donate $2 to the help school in Africa. And everybody share this. Share this episode with your family, your friends. Her book is going to be amazing. Um, I'm into it now. I've got a copy. And it's she's just one of those people that it's it's infectious. It's infectious energy. And I promise you, if you engage with it, it's going to change your life. So keep that in mind. Um, yeah, if you want to enter this week's giveaway, it's heatharmstrong.com forward slash giveaway. You will be entered to win a prize this week and every episode that releases and until next time, peace, guys. Oh.